VCs have been relaxing demands to win crypto deals. This article from the Financial Times really hit home and and reinforced a lot of things I've seen in in the deal making world in, of crypto in the past year. And it starts off with this example of Magic Eden, a Solana NFT marketplace. And this is a pretty good platform, by the way. I've used it. Out of eight proposals for the first check writers, only one had asked for a board seat, which this is a concept in, in venture capital is somebody who leads the round usually asks for a board seat. What that means is if they join the board of directors, they are able to exert influence over extremely high, highly important decision-making that steer the direction of the company. They, they get a vote. And so three to five board members each have a vote on key decisions, and that dictates the control of the company. These have not really existed in many cryptocurrency startups. I think if you compare institutional type of crypto companies like Coinbase to microcap crypto projects, you have just a stark difference in, in how these companies are controlled. It's the nature of the size, but they, they do talk about some larger examples. I want to quote a couple of data points before we get to those. There's this pitch book quote that more than 400 crypto startups have raised Series A financing without raising another subsequent round in the past three years. And only half of those had one or two directors on their boards. So the takeaway is many of these companies don't even really have board of directors. And if they do, it's very, very centralized to one or two key people. Now, these VCs, they have a fiduciary duty to, to their investors to oversee and ensure strong governance practices. But what you also have are a lot of high-flying, it's a hot space, people who have already made a lot of money and they don't have to take um, these, these deal terms. So the founders have had the upper hand in this space for the past two years, just because of how hot it's been. We're seeing some of that change, I think, with the way the markets have behaved. I would not be surprised to see more leverage for the VCs when they want to demand these board seats. They're probably going to get them. But to, to counteract that, I think you, you also have to consider that <clears throat> if you're an, a founder in this space, you want a brand when you when you bring on an investor you want the brand of that investor and many of these solo investors out there carry their own brand with their own name that that means a lot and so they're looking for partnerships without necessarily the strings that are normally attached to that um, the final piece of data i want to mention is the ftx example and FTX is a huge crypto exchange. They've raised over 1.8 billion across three rounds over the past year, and no investors got board seats. There was no lead investor who demanded board seats. I mean, they FTX did not need to give up board seats because they were already tremendously profitable. So they had this upper hand again. They didn't really need to relinquish control. 
Now I'll note that this company does have advisory boards, according to the article, and key investors belong to these quote unquote advisory boards. They meet quarterly. And that's, I think, really key to know is that they are still meeting and talking with the investors that come in. They're asking for advice. They're discussing the business. It's not like the investors are being completely left out in the cold of, of the discussion. So I have seen this firsthand. Um, I think it's just the nature of hot startups having, having all the upper hand, not needing to, you know, just, they can just straight up say no when they can go down the street and get money from somebody else who is going to have these relaxed demands. So what, uh, what did you think when you were looking at this article? I think the same thing that this screamed leverage, uh, you have VC, uh, I feel like every day we hear about a new VC company raising just an unbelievable amount of money earmarked specifically for crypto. So, um, yeah, when you have like 10 people coming to offer you about any money you want, retaining control becomes a very easy caveat to add before you even take a meeting. So, yeah, it just seems like <clears throat> like these uh, uh, crypto projects have completely all the leverage. And then you throw in the fact that uh, in traditional venture capital, um, if you want to raise money through venture capital, that's kind of your only option. Uh, whereas now with um, uh, crypto projects, community funding is incredibly a lot easier. And, and, and I want to make sure I say that right, because it is still easier to get one venture capital fund to give you, I don't know, $50 million versus going out of your way to try to raise $50 million um, amongst the community. But that's still a much more viable option than someone coming out of like um, one of these accelerator programs. So yeah, to me, this just screams leverage. And of course, that, that's not to say that the only uh, benefit that venture capital uh, can give you is funding. I think you, you kind of made this point, which is they have expertise uh, they have connections that has always kind of been a little bit of the the deal. Oh, you take the money, you get all the institutional knowledge and capabilities that we and in our infinite experience can provide you. And again, that was probably very attractive if you're trying to make the next Uber and you need all kinds of connections and stuff with uh, crypto. I I'm just wondering what, what exactly is it that these venture capital funds can offer to crypto when uh, for a long time they've been, setting themselves up and running themselves um, without the whatever connections they might be getting. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these crypto projects are teaching their VCs more than vice versa. Yeah, I think it's, it's funny. I have two things to note is one to respond to that. The, the idea of when you bring an investor in, you, you want axiomatic alignment on whatever philosophy that your project's trying to achieve or, or drive forward the mission enablement and everything like you really want to see evidence from an investor that they can add value beyond just writing a, a check mm -hmm. now the way i think about that is marketing partnership business development hey we have this product we're building who can you introduce us to 
who might be a customer or somebody that we can maybe build together with some kind of linked up platform that that helps both of the businesses grow how do you bring those conversations that we wouldn't normally be able to get on our own or just don't have the time to do you know it's almost like you have some kind of outsourced partnership to a degree now they're not going to come in and do all your marketing for you and be your marketing people but on the off chance that once every week or every two weeks or something they can make an intro a warm intro that's that can go a long way or or maybe if you're hiring for a a developer and you're like hey we really need somebody who's good at x y and z who do you know or is there <laughs> stay on the lookout uh you know you're not your their hr people but it's it's this kind of nuanced assistance right this- and and ultimately i think this just comes down to these crypto products being saying like, we like all that. You're going to still give us that. You're just not going to get a board seat because frankly, we're not interested in giving you that level of control or authority because we don't have to. Yeah. And I want to comment on that because in my old traditional VC days, I did a lot of networking and I realized like you'll go to these people make fun of this on Twitter and other places, but it's a real thing where if somebody's a board observer, if they have, if their firm has a some kind of board seat at a company that they've invested in, you a lot of times see the individual person at that at that VC firm putting it on their LinkedIn as like a position. And so you'll go on some of these guys and girls' profiles, and you'll see that they have like ten active positions currently on LinkedIn where they are just board observers at these these really awesome startups. Mm-hmm. It's like it's very. <laughs> it's very clout driven and it's very silly and it's hard not to hate it because it's like, yo, you could just put those as bullet points on one firm position at your VC firm, you know, your board observer at X, Y, and Z instead of having them each as the individual position. And so that, that gets at this where it's like, are you, what's the incentive? Are you actually here to help these portfolio companies or are you here to just ego inflate and, give yourself all this clout you know so i feel Mm -hmm. like it's this incentive alignment and you have to have a level of trust with the the startups and they have to trust you you have to trust them and if you don't have that does it really matter if you have a board seat i don't know but it's it goes beyond this this way of doing business but yeah still it I, it's all about leverage. It's all about mm-hmm. who has the upper hand in the negotiation. Because if you're taking money from a traditional fi- VC firm, like y- some things in business just never change. And this is one of those. It's about control of, of companies. Yeah. It's, it, this isn't going to change. So I think with like really big successful companies, I guess FTX might be an outlier, but in any event, um, there's a lot there's a lot going on here but i think that we we can talk about it all day i want to make sure mm-hmm. we have some time for for the cracking article that you've brought up too <clears throat> yeah excellent well i appreciate it. that was a cool article that you brought um but by the way if you're still listening to this we thank you very much please like the episode subscribe and uh maybe even tell a friend about our show all right so <clears throat> Transitioning to the second article, I have a habit of bringing the uh, maybe a lot of policy to our discussions today, no different. Um, today, I want to talk about some of the uh, Fed nominees working their way through the um, 
uh, confirmation process and how that's actually resulting in crypto maybe actually getting a little bit closer to um, uh, being integrated into the Federal Reserve system. <clears throat> Excuse me, just getting over a little cold. Um, so right now, uh, over the last few weeks, five nominees have been held up in the Senate Banking Committee for uh, Fed appointments, uh, especially Raskin. Uh, she's been mostly dinged by the GOP for her desire to be a strong regulator, um, especially involving her approach to uh, regulating along climate policies. So uh, one story they're latching on with Raskin is that back when she was working for uh, a company, Reserve Trust, uh, she had personally allegedly lobbied the Kansas City Fed for a master account, which a master account, if you can get one, allows you access to the central bank payment system with the Fed. Very valuable to have, but it can be very difficult to get. Obviously, the Fed doesn't want to let any financial institution in the door. Um, however, the Federal, or sorry, the Reserve Trust, which is the company that wanted that uh, master account, and the KC Fed both said, well, there was nothing fishy going on here. Changes were made. They eventually got their access. But um, a representative from Wyoming, Cynthia Lumens, has been very vocal about this point, basically saying, look, if you're going to give Raskin, uh, if she was able to get a company in reserve trust access to a master account, well, then everyone should be able to. And it's interesting because Wyoming uh, really wants to be like the, as Delaware is to corporations, uh, they want to be, Wyoming wants to be that to crypto. They want to be the, the crypto hub and the representative, sorry, the Senator Lumens is all the way behind that. So essentially she's looking for a couple of companies to get their own master accounts. Um, and it looks like one of them might be getting closer. Uh, Kraken Bank, which is a subsidiary of Kraken Crypto Exchange, has received a routing number from the American Bankers Association, which is not a guarantee they'll get that master account, but it is a step closer, which again, uh, comes with their ability to deposit funds with the Fed and access the global payment system. And basically, uh, they would just be able to take it, uh, accept deposits. Uh, they can't lend out, but they can facilitate crypto transactions. And they wouldn't have FDIC or federal regulation, but they would have access to the Fed system. So I uh, don't know what your takeaway is on this one, but it looks like every day we seem to come across stories that crypto being integrated into the traditional finance system is, I don't know, a step closer. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been a fan of Kraken. I mean, they, they've they been pretty forward on all of this and they they need a better UI. But the <laughs> comments that I saw here from financial institutions that have been opposed to expanding the Fed master account access, I mean, they're saying banks and credit unions have, have opposed allowing this expansion of, of the uh, the Fed master accounts. And I'm curious, is this as simple as it seems? Like, are these are these institutions just against expanding Fed master account access because of how much money crypto companies are making and they're threatened by that? Like, is this is this as simple as it? really seems on surface like incumbents are just worried about being disrupted by something that might be more efficient well i guess i don't know for sure I mean, as far as people's motivations if i had to guess i without getting to like conspiracy theory i think there's a good argument that most of the concern 
probably really does revolve around like legitimate concern over systemic risk because uh these let me see i wrote this down but uh well yeah i mean they it's a great have... point because they a lot of these crypto companies are are being held there's a lot of leverage in the entire crypto market and that's not that's not really regulated so mm-hmm. i understand the the concern about systemic risk but at the same time if if these companies like Kraken and FTX, Coinbase even, they show tremendous profitability. Um, I mean, maybe maybe the the thing is you'd have to like wean them in. Maybe you don't give them, I don't know enough about how this works, I guess, but. Yeah, well, what I will add is that they are technically, they would be a special purpose depository institution. And what that means is that they would have to hold liquid assets equal to the assets um, back in customer accounts. And once you open the door for one, I really don't know how you stop that precedent. Um, and considering how narrow, like considering the on-ramps onto crypto, how few they are, how controlled they are, uh, how expensive they can be, there's probably a ton of demand for more of these speedies, they're called for short, SPDIs. Uh, I just think if you let one in, you probably have a hard time denying a lot of them. And if you have a proliferation of SPDIs in the Fed system with a ton of crypto on their books, um, I, I guess that's the that's not a very deep analysis. If I had to guess, that's probably the concern. Um, yeah. But, well, maybe yeah. the answer there is, I mean, you can you can let them transact in fiat because they have a lot of fiat. So mm-hmm. um, before we start letting people get post collateral and in, in BTC or whatever, I think you could let you could let them post up fiat collateral. But again, I I guess what I'm realizing is I don't know enough about how this works. But um, I've yeah. I know I remember cracking. I remember this in the news like a year ago when uh, cracking they were they were making this this the same comments like you let somebody else do it why aren't you letting us do it mm-hmm. and it it doesn't seem fair but i guess yeah. they have to figure it out a little I, I don't know like well so to me there's there's two sides of this issue you can kind of boil it down to one people crypto investors they're just looking for easier ways to to get their money into crypto. Um, But on the other hand, really go back through history. Anytime you have any large scale deregulation of the financial system, you tend to run into some shit. So the best pass forward is try to introduce new ways for legitimate investors, people to just get their money legitimately and safely into crypto while making sure that you think about this, uh, you know, and give it enough time. Don't just slash regulations, they go to town, but maybe craft some new regulation that that can accomplish that easy on-ramp access and widespread and low cost while still accounting for any possible systemic risk. I, I think you can definitely do this, but it's just, it can't be open the doors and just go to town, but it's necessary. Well said. well said, sir. All right. Well, hey, this has been a great episode of Daybreak Crypto. Great way to start the week. I look forward to seeing you more later this week for more daybreak crypto sir sounds good thanks bud